Hello. Well, here's the thing. I'm back. I wasn't planning to be away for quite this long. The last episode I did before Christmas wasn't supposed to be the end of the first run or anything. It just kind of, you know, well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what's happened since then and hopefully bring ourselves up to date. But it's 2020 now. So let's crack on with the first podcast of season two. It's March as I record this and right now the thing happening in the world of course is the coronavirus. Well we say coronavirus, it's a coronavirus. Coronaviruses are a type of virus but anyway this is not a science podcast, this is not an epidemiology podcast but I have to warn you this first episode might turn into one. So anyway I'm not in isolation as far as I know I don't have coronavirus but how would I know? I'm had a bit of a sniffle the other day. I, sh- I shouldn't say that because if I say that, people will go, oh, you should be in isolation or whatever. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not ill. Um, I was ill before Christmas, though. It's one of the things that led to there being a break in the podcast. Not the only thing, and we'll get on to that. But, um, yeah, I the week before Christmas, I was winding down in my old job. Again, we'll get on to that. And um, I started to feel a bit unwell, and I kind of, push through the final week but actually there's so much going on in your final week in a job that you don't really feel it I don't know if it's sure it's not just me but you can be a little bit ill but if you've got something to do something to focus on you're busy the illness tends to stay at bay it's 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 like the adrenaline or endorphins or whatever it is again this is not a biology podcast Um, they kind of conquer it. They push it down. And as soon as you stop that thing, it catches up to you and it smacks you in the face. And that is exactly what happened to me just before Christmas. I was kind of okay the weekend before Christmas. I thought, oh, I don't feel quite right. I'm not very hungry and I feel a bit groggy. Um, And by the 23rd, 24th of December, I I was laid up in bed with the temperature shivering under the covers. I was there pretty much the entire week. Christmas Day, I didn't make it out of but no actually maybe I made it down to the living room once in Christmas day but I didn't eat or drink anything so it wasn't the greatest Christmas it wasn't the relaxing break I was hoping it was going to be we had things planned and things to do and they all kind of went by the wayside but you know I wasn't so ill I couldn't think I wasn't so ill I couldn't read and maybe it forced me to actually take a break. It forced me to unwind. I had no choice other than to sit there and do nothing because I couldn't go anywhere or do anything, even if I wanted to. But I, yeah, I, I finished my job before Christmas. I have a new one now. I'm 10 weeks into the new one, but I took two week break between jobs over Christmas. It's always funny winding down in a job. You kind of... The one hand, it's exciting that you're going to go and do something new. On the other hand, it's terrifying that you're going to go and do something new. And I kind of think, well, what have I done here? I'm leaving all this stuff. I know all these people I know is something I know I can do and I'm good at. And I'm leaving it to go and do something else. But 
sometimes you have to make these choices you have to leave you have to go and do something new and um it's something i'm going to explore in one of the episodes in this season i've i've not really talked about work before i've always been quite reticent to to bring work into this but actually i can't talk about my mental health without talking about work work is somewhere that i spend i was going to say 40 hours a week thereabouts anyway maybe more um and so it's a big part of my life it's it's the thing i'm paid to do it's something that i believe i'm good at but equally i'm i have people who hold me accountable for being good at it and i also have people whose careers and whose jobs i am responsible for as a manager i have people whose welfare and whose future career is something that i have the ability to help with or if i get it wrong to hinder that's that's quite a responsibility but before getting on to that we'll talk about a bit over christmas kind of doing nothing i read a lot of books and then started the new job and um 10 weeks in and um, then the coronavirus comes along. Well, actually, the coronavirus was around before then, but it was in China and there weren't many cases and there wasn't much publicity and all that kind of stuff. But by the time we got into the new year, it was definitely coming our way. I mean, initially it was known as Wu flu. And then we were told that we're not supposed to give um, viruses names that are connected with places. Um you know, Spanish flu being the obvious one. There's Ebola virus, for instance. Um, it stigmatizes the people in the place. So we don't do that now. We're calling it the coronavirus. As I say, it's one of many. Or COVID or COVID-19. Um, so, yes, it's over here in the UK now. It's spreading round. And, um, you know, something like coronavirus can have an impact on your mental health. And I... I'm very conscious when I'm talking about this that everybody is 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 talking about coronavirus at the moment. Everybody on LinkedIn is saying, well, recruitment is like the coronavirus because my business is like the coronavirus because and I don't want to jump on that bandwagon. You know, there's loads of people talking about coronavirus. But the one thing I do want to talk about is the impact that world events can have on mental health so i'm fortunate i do suffer with anxiety i've talked about that i think really pretty openly but coronavirus doesn't make me anxious i'll, I'll talk i'll give you an example so we were due to go to france at the end of march it's a trip that's been planned for a little while with friends and we we're going to go with the kids to disneyland and then spend a day or two in paris and and kind of kick around paris and stuff and um we've now cancelled the trip but we haven't I wasn't anxious about coronavirus. I was anxious about not being able to get home. I was anxious about getting to Paris and then France entering the phase three because France have four phases of the virus response and they're currently in phase two as we speak, but Emmanuel Macron is is likely to move things to phase three sometime soon. And I was reading the the press it seems like that can include closing local transport and if it's anything like italy it will close shops and i thought well 
Do I really want to spend a week in Paris sitting in a lovely apartment with all the shops closed, all the museums closed, all the galleries closed, and the possibility that there are no trains? Didn't seem particularly thrilling. But the problem is, of course, because the uh, FCO advice doesn't yet say don't travel to France, you can't get any money back for anything. And I realise I'm speaking from a position of privilege in that I'm saying, well, doesn't really matter. I'll get back what I can and I'll cope. But um, at some point you do have to put both your mental and if, if you're worried about the virus itself, if you're in a vulnerable position, your, your physical health has to go above that kind of thing. But much as I was slightly anxious about not being able to get home from Paris, I wasn't anxious about coronavirus. I think I'm not predisposed to become anxious about things that I know I can't control. There's not much I can do about coronavirus. I, I can wash my hands for 20 seconds at a time. And, oh, God, on that score, 20 seconds is a long time to wash your hands. Now, don't get me wrong. I do wash my hands every time I go to the loo. I'm not one of these people that doesn't. But 20 seconds is a long time. And there's a kind of... In our loos at work, we have two basins next to each other, a couple of cubicles and a urinal, and it's a kind of standard loo, really. And um, you stand there, and, you, and you're washing your hands, and I'm thinking, right, how do I time 20 seconds? Now, I know you can sing songs, but I am not going to start singing a song in the loo. That's just weird. So I could try singing it in my head, but then there's always the chance it's going to leak out, and I'll start singing, and it's going to look weird if I'm singing in the loo. So I won't do that. So I'm thinking, right. 20 seconds. How long's 20 seconds? And I'm there and I'm washing my hands. I'm doing the action, even though I know you can't see me, under the water. Okay, right. And then it comes, I think, well, I think that's 20 seconds. But if I stop now and there's somebody next to me, how do they know I've done 20 seconds? Are they going to look at me and think, you haven't done 20 seconds? Am I looking at them and thinking, you haven't done 20 seconds? Apparently in Sweden, it's 30 seconds. You know, my electric toothbrush buzzes. Well, it buzzes because it's an electric toothbrush. But what I mean is you press the thing to start it. And after a set amount of time, it goes zzz, zzz, And then you know, oh, that's time to move on to another bit of my mouth. It kind of does it for you. It doesn't have a timer on it or a beep or anything. You just kind of know, right, OK, I've done the back of my front teeth. Buzz, buzz. Now I need to do the front of my front teeth. Buzz, buzz, etc., etc. Why can't taps do that? I mean, if, if we're supposed to be washing our hands for 20 seconds because 20 seconds is been decided as the time which is a good time for soap to kill coronavirus on your hands then should we have taps that run for 10 seconds normally now you do get them in some places don't you taps that you hit and they run for a certain amount of time could we do that or could we have timers in the loos could we have a timer that runs for 20 seconds to tell you the other thing that's worrying me is so i I wash my hands and everything, and that's fine. But the top of the soap dispenser in the loo must be terrible because everybody touches that before they wash their hands. Now, if you're anything like me, if you've got these taps with a lever on rather than the ones you turn around, you kind of get them going with your elbow. So you put the hand soap on your hands and you kind of rub that all over and then you knock the tap with your elbow to start it going and then you put your hands on it so you're not touching the tap with dirty hands. But the top of the hand soap, you can't do that with your elbow because I guess you could do you could put one hand under and knock it with the other elbow. But surely that's going to go wrong. 
I know some places have these ones where you put your hand underneath and it comes out automatically. We don't have those. We have little bottles of Curex. Anyway, what was I talking about? Yes, 20 seconds is a long time. Washing my hands after going the loo. Oh yeah, coronavirus, that's it. It's... It doesn't affect my mental health much directly. Because I'm not anxious about it. There's a lot going on in the world, but I kind of watch it and just go, oh, there's there's this stuff happening. There's there's not a lot I can do about all that stuff. So it, it's not going to impact me. And actually, it's a skill I wish I could bring to other parts of my mental health. Because, you know, if I feel like I'm being judged by people when I'm out about, or I feel that people are judging me for how I look or whatever, the rational thing is to say, firstly, they're probably not. And secondly, if they are, there's nothing I can do about that. So I actually find it quite interesting that something like the coronavirus is not inherently making me anxious. And that's, I think, because I know there's nothing I can do about it. Whereas there are other things that I know I can do nothing about that do make me anxious. Don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. The last thing I need at the moment is another thing to be anxious. Just into a new job. I mean, that, you know, that sets yourself up for a period of anxiety in itself. So I'm glad that it's not making me anxious. But um, I find it interesting nonetheless. The thing that is concerning me is isolation. Now, I don't mean isolation in the self-isolation that you go into when you have the symptoms or whatever. I mean, the isolation of social distancing. So lots of workplaces, including the place I am, are starting to move towards remote working. So they're starting to say, you know, everybody should work from home. Now, I think the thing to remember with this is it's not primarily to protect the workforce. It's to protect society. So what we're doing is saying we're doing the right thing for society because everybody working at home means there's fewer people traveling around the tubes are empty and whatever so we're reducing the the rate of spread there is what's the word for it there's there's the number of the typical number of people that somebody with coronavirus gives to another person and i read that it was about two um and obviously if we can bring in some social distancing we can reduce that a bit because we're reducing the number of people we come into contact with so that's why we're doing it and that's great i mean i I work from home one day a week anyway. I work at home every Friday out here in the Essex countryside where I'm sitting at the moment. And it's, it's kind of nice. I come out here of a Thursday evening and I set myself up of a Friday. I get a nice productive day. I do actually have very productive days out here. And then when it gets around to kind of early evening, I wrap up for the day and I'm just home and I don't have to do the commute. And that's lovely. And I'm out here for the weekend and then Monday I go back in. But next Monday I won't be going back in. Next Monday I'll be staying here i'll be coming through to my office here and i'll be plugging in again and i'll be working from home for all of next week and who knows i mean we're we're making decisions at work based on government advice but it's i think it's going to be highly unlikely that coronavirus in the uk is over and done with by the end of next week so that i'm faced with maybe having a period of working from here and i'm not This isn't the place for me to pass on tips about working from home and how to make sure you're productive and that kind of thing. But the thing that's concerning me is even in a day spent here of a Friday, usually I'm alone here of a Friday. The gardener pops in for 
a few hours and he's around and about in the garden and we say hello and whatever but my partner is generally not here on Fridays so I'm on my, my own all day the guinea pigs aren't even here so I can't talk to them I can talk to the gerbils but they're not quite as personable as the guinea pigs to be honest sometimes I do go and talk to the gerbils sometimes I get myself a cup of coffee downstairs and I'll wander into the hall and just start talking to them and the thing is if I'm talking to the gerbils after a day what am I going to be doing weeks into this? Now, of course, I won't entirely be on my own. My other half will be here some days and I might decide to actually go into London. But equally, should I? Shouldn't social distancing mean that I shouldn't be doing effectively the commute? Maybe I should just stay here. I'm going to go insane if I just stay here for weeks. I'll see hardly anyone. Of course, I still have the internet. Well... Still have the internet as much as you get it in the countryside. It's not the fastest, but it works. And, you know, we're doing video calls at work and we're trying to keep the social aspect up as well. So we're, um, you know, because for me, I don't I, I don't want to say I don't have a social life because I do. I, you know, I, I go to the theatre with friends and I talk with friends and whatever, but I don't have the casual social life where, you know, you might just one day decide to, phone a friend and say do you fancy a drink and go out the pub that's that's not my life that's not that's not where my my life is and so the day-to-day -day interaction with other people for me tends to happen in the office that's where there's the biggest group of people that I see regularly and that I chat to and interact with and have coffee with and have lunch with and all those kind of great things and I'm not going to have that obviously but we can use technology to help a bit. So, you know, my team are setting up online coffee breaks, which sounds insane. And I've talked about technology in a previous episode back last year where I was saying that I, I don't think that social media is all bad. You know, we're still making connections with people. We're still interacting with people, even if we're doing it in a slightly different way. And I think... This, for me, is a very good example of that. We are going to have virtual coffee breaks where we get a cup of coffee, we jump on a video call, and we just chat as a group, exactly as we would do if we bumped into each other in the kitchen at work. We're very lucky that the isolation and social distancing that's happening for coronavirus is happening at a time when we are generally connected. You know, the majority of people do have decent internet access. They do have access to Facebook if they use it. They do have access to BBC News. They have access to Skype friends and family. And it makes it less of an unpleasant experience than it would be if you didn't have any of that. If you were totally isolated and cut off, that would be much worse. And so I'm I'm kind of relying on technology to get me through the however long this is. I mean, next week, certainly. I don't really like video calls, though. I'm actually... Where I work from home, I work in my office. It's a relatively small office at the, the end of the landing on the first floor. And um, it's got lots of stuff in. I like stuff. I've got... Um, just over there behind me, there is a big display case full of an almost complete se se a selection of model Daleks of all the varieties you could possibly think of. And then over to the other side, I have my steampunk teddy bear called Hooten, 
which I bought in Hooton, the town up north. I have a working model of the Lament configuration, the puzzle box from the Hellraiser films. I have a big citrine crystal, which I bought at the antique centre. Not for any crystal healing powers before anybody suspects that, just because it's a nice colour and it's quite pretty. And I have books and I have photos on the wall and it's kind of nice. And so when I'm doing a video conference, there's me in the middle, but there's stuff behind me. And a little while ago, I posted that picture on LinkedIn and I thought nothing of it. And I thought there's an interesting post on LinkedIn to stimulate discussion. Here's the view you get when I'm video conferencing from home. Here's stuff behind me. And um, somebody in work to me, they said, oh, I can tell a lot about you, about the books I can see in the background. And I thought I didn't even realise you could see the books in the background. So I've checked the books in the background. They're all, well, they're mostly work-related ones, actually. I've kind of put work-related ones there now. So it gives a kind of professional view behind me there's one which is I'm, I'm tempted to put it up there so that people see it i was about to get it and show it to you i keep forgetting i should know how a podcast works um it's a book called um queer hauntings now at some point i'll do a full episode on this topic but i absolutely love books of true ghost stories um my therapist actually reckons there's some reasons why but you know he's a therapist he's paid to read too much into stuff um it's a book about gay ghosts well i should say gay ghosts i mean lgbt ghosts i'm using gay in the you know should we go for uh metonymy i'm using gay for oh, i'm gonna get myself into trouble here when i say gay i'm not excluding trans people and lesbians and bisexual people i was i was using it to describe the whole group which is wrong of me and i apologize for that but anyway gay ghosts um true tales of gay and lesbian ghosts now you might ask, and I'm sure you are asking, how do you tell if a ghost's gay? Now, that sounds like that's going to be the setup to a really, really bad joke, possibly a not particularly woke joke, let's say. But it's not. It's a genuine question. And the answer is, if you know who the person who's died is, then if they were gay, they're ghosts gay, apparently. But I'd never really considered that. I mean, is it? I mean, if, if somebody comes back as a ghost, does the ghost have the same sexuality and gender identity as they did? How do we know? How would we find out? I mean, how do you ask a ghost if it's gay? I guess I haven't read the book yet. It's been sitting there on the shelf, but I'm going to have so much time over the next few weeks of evenings. You know, the time I would have been commuting, the time I would have been coming home from work and whatever. I'd spend that time reading this book and then I'll be able to tell you in the next episode how you tell if a ghost is gay. You can see what's happening to me already. I'm talking rubbish and I've only been working from home for a day and this is a day that I normally work from home. God, imagine what these episodes are going to be like after a couple of weeks. But I should talk a little bit about why the podcast took a break. Well, I've kind of said I was ill over Christmas, and that's true. I was. I properly flu. I don't mean flu in the sense of a bad cold. I mean proper knock-you-out-flat flu. But I also lost the confidence to do it, I think. I... I think that I'd 
I'd done some episodes that I thought were good. I'd done some episodes that I thought were mediocre. And I'd done one or two where I thought I wouldn't do that again. But, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens when you do that many episodes or something. And I just couldn't find a way to get back into it. It's been three months since I recorded the last one. And I just couldn't find a way to get a way back in. And the longer it went on, the more I thought I've got to have a way back in here. I've got to have something I can do that's different, that gives me the hook on which to say, right, we're going in again. And it was coronavirus that gave me that. I mean, it could have been stuff before that, but it could have been Brexit. I don't think I've ever said the B word on this podcast before. Maybe I'll never say it again. But that could have been the jumping off point. But no, too cliched. I mean, coronavirus itself is becoming a bit cliched, but, you know, at least it's got a connection to mental health. Although so is Brexit, actually. I know a lot of people whose mental health was impacted one way or another, not necessarily by Brexit itself, but by the the atmosphere that built up around the debate. It felt like over the past four years, we've lost the ability to disagree. We can split ourselves into groups and fire insults at each other we can say oh i don't like you because you agree with that person we've lost the ability to say i like you but i disagree with you we've lost the ability to sit down with people that we disagree with we shout into the echo chambers of twitter or instagram or whatever and our followers all come back and go yes i agree with you and yeah of course you do because you follow me we we've lost the ability to step into what's become enemy territory and offer a hand and say can we talk you know i've resisted talking about brexit on here specifically for that reason you know the way i voted in the brexit referendum is you know it's a secret ballot it's secret but for anybody who knows me and in fact anybody who's seen me on facebook or listened to this you're going to know which way i voted but i don't hate people that voted the other way I disagree with them on this one issue. And actually, I probably disagree with them on something smaller than that, which has influenced our decision. But I don't hate them. I don't refuse to speak to them. I don't call them names. I don't believe we have a right to degrade them. And that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm seeing is happening all the time, that the that it's become okay to degrade people, it's become okay to humiliate people. And that does have an impact on mental health. That will have an impact on our mental health. And so it felt like the time was right to kick this off again. Now, things are going to be a little bit different for this second season. And um, the observant amongst you will have noticed that the theme tune's already changed. I'm not sure I like the new one. I might not keep it. But let's see. It'll stick for a few episodes anyway. But I'm going to do some episodes which will be similar to the 2019 episodes. There'll be me talking on a subject and um, riffing around it. They'll be largely unscripted, so there'll be mistakes, there'll be mispronunciations, there'll be stumbles. I'm going to leave them all in. This is not supposed to be polished. But one thing that's going to happen this time round is there's going to be some other people. So there's a few people who listen to the podcast, there's a few friends, there's a few other people I know who I've had interesting conversations with on the topic of mental health and um, 
it started me thinking that actually it could be very interesting to have some conversations with people on here. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, not every episode is going to be like that. Some of them will be more like this. Some of them might be slightly different again, like the Blackpool one that was more travel based. Um, but I'm going to put them out. I'm going to aim for every two weeks, but it might not be every two weeks. Um, it might be every month to start with. Um, I just, you know, coming back into this, I don't want to put any pressure on myself. I Don't get me wrong, I thoroughly enjoyed doing the podcast in 2019, but putting out a new podcast every two weeks is a lot of work, actually. I have no idea how people put out fully edited podcasts once a week. I have no idea. It must take over your life. Um, but I'm going to try. I'm going to come back into it. I'm going to try. I've already got a couple of guests lined up uh we know what we're going to talk about um i'll get a few more lined up and i'll drop those episodes in as and when um but for now we're off and rolling again i don't know what i'm going to talk about next time i'm not going to create a, a narrative flow through these episodes this year as some of the last ones did last year i'm going to just let them be what they're about and this one hasn't really been about anything, but that's fine. It's the first one back. So, I'm back. Hurrah. I'll see you in two weeks. This episode of Anxious Laughter was recorded on Friday the 13th of March 2020. It was written, produced and spoken by me, Dan McNeil. <laughs>